Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, hi, everyone. It's good to be with you. I really am sad. I was so hoping to be with you all um, and uh, preach and be part of the celebrations today and uh, celebrate with the Red Church family as we come to the end of the year. And uh, I was going to jump on the coffee machine and make coffees with people just as a way of saying thanks to everyone who's participated this year. But sadly, uh, I have tested positive for COVID and unwell, so I'm going to have to be at home in isolation recovering um, on Sunday. Uh, But I am there with you in spirit. And I also have got my red shirt on, so I hope many of you are wearing red. Well, even though I'm not there in in physical form, I'm able to uh, preach the last of our Advent sermons. And Advent's got a really important role, I think. It teaches us something, these things of waiting, of hope, of pregnancy. We've been exploring these. Three weeks ago, I looked at this idea that Advent teaches us something. That what it teaches us is that actually heaven wants to conceive something in us. That God is growing new life in us. And that we're called to steward that new life, growing in us as individuals and as a church. Two weeks ago, we looked though that often just as a pregnant woman has to take care with her baby that often there's dangers that surround. We saw the story of of often what's called in the history of church, the massacre of the innocents, when the children in Bethlehem, the the boys who were born in a certain age, uh, who were around the age of Jesus, were attempted to be, or were killed by Herod because he wanted to wipe out this threat. And what that was, was an assignment from the enemy. And we saw the real reality that when God births something new in us, the enemy comes against that with an assignment. And we explored how that plot against the next thing that God is doing is really manifesting in our, in our day and our age in, a, in an assignment against the next generation. But the good news was that we saw that you can undo an assignment with, with singleness of heart pressing into the destiny that God has for us. So to kick off what I want to talk about, that's the last couple of weeks. What I want to talk about this week in our Advent series, A Thrill of Hope, I want to go back to a passage that I, I read uh, a couple of weeks ago from Romans it's in the message translation. And I'm just going to read that for you now. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. There's that theme of pregnancy we see so strongly in Advent. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within We're also feeling the birth pangs, those sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. This is what I want to talk about today. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful is our expectancy. And I also gave a quote uh, from an author, Bobby Goss, uh, and I read a longer quote, but I just want to read one line from the quote that I I, uh, shared with you a couple of weeks ago. He says of the Advent season, it reminds us that we wait in hope. We believe that something is happening in our world. Something is taking shape in our lives, something large, light-filled and life-giving. So this week, I want to continue to teach us about how Advent 
teaches us to steward godly growth. You see, pregnancy is when something grows within us. And the process of something growing inside a mother not only births new life, it also grows and changes the mother. We see this physically, we see this emotionally, we see this relationally. And in the same way, as God grows something new amongst us, in us as individuals and as the church, He also grows us. As something is growing within, He also grows us. What we are hoping for, what is growing in us, enlarges us, as Romans tells us. We become more Christ-like as Christ's life grows inside of us. God expands us. He expands His ability to use us. We grow in godly capacity and potential. We grow in hope as God grows new things in us and amongst us. And this is why we can understand that hope can be thrilling. So how does this work out? I just want to suggest three key ways that through God growing new life in us, that this grows us. Now, this is how we are enlarged through the life of Christ being in us. And also how Advent is a brilliant lesson in this. So the first thing I want, if you're writing stuff down, write this down. The first thing is that Advent reminds us of the importance of patience. The whole of the scriptures from the fall, when sin enters into Humanity, when Adam and Eve take off the fruit in the garden and they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. From that moment until the birth of Jesus, there is this incredible waiting, waiting for God to come and change the world, waiting for God to again reach out to his people, waiting for the injustice, the broken things in the world to go away, waiting for sin, which tears apart at human relationships, tears apart at the world, tears apart at creation. There is this deep waiting for that to end. There's an absence waiting to be filled, a deep longing for God to return. But the problem is that in our culture, we do not value patience. We do not value waiting. Our culture of instant gratification has changed us. So we no longer have to learn the arts of patience often. We don't have to learn what it is to wait. We have apps on our phones which can order something to your door. You want a meal, you can't be bothered going to the restaurant. Uber Eats, Delivery Roo, these things can bring it to your door. You want that item, you can now get next day delivery on many apps straight to your door without even having to get out of your pajamas. Waiting at the bus stop, no longer do you just have to wait for the bus to come, for the train to arrive, for that lift that you need where you think and see the bigger picture standing there in a moment of waiting, instantly we're distracted. We have entertainment at our fingertips. No longer do we actually have to stop and wait and have our desires not met in that moment. This new platforms, this new culture of instant gratification means this has even changed how we see love and relationships. Owen Toffler in his 1970 book, uh, Future Shock said, Eventually, the culture of the disposable cup will lead to the culture of the disposable relationship. Now, this is a prophecy of sorts. Uh, he was writing as a cultural theorist back in 1970. And I think Toffler has been proven right. We see an increasing world where commitment, relationships, the deep connections that humans have, that people are less likely to wait to be patient. And that means increasingly there's this view of people where almost we see people as products. And even in work, we live in an age of quiet quitting of the great resignation where earning 
working, learning, being patient in your job, learning your craft. These things are increasingly not valued. We want it and we want it now. And in the culture of instant gratification, as those things begin to break down, as we're seeing in our world of supply chain issues and rising living costs and energy crisis costs, when we're not getting what we want, we see ourselves falling into this sense of despondency, hopelessness, nihilism, even cynicism, because we've not been taught to wait, to be patient. Dare I say, we've not been taught to hope. And therefore, a culture which no longer has to wait, which is built upon instant gratification, is a culture which cannot grasp the thrill of hope. You see, not waiting, having that culture of instant gratification changes the very nature of gifts. When I was young, I remember as as a boy, the intense, palpable, thrilling excitement and anticipation that you would have when you woke on a Christmas morning and you knew that in a few moments you were going to go and see under the Christmas tree your gifts and it almost took over your entire physical self. Now, I remember I would think weeks ahead, what's going to happen at Christmas? What am I going to get? I remember the same with my birthday as well. You didn't always get stuff. So when you actually got stuff, it really meant something. But I think about myself now. Not just older, but also in a culture where I can just order something. I can order it cheap. It can come to my door. I don't know about you, but perhaps as you get older, you begin to wonder at Christmas time, I don't even know what gifts I want because I just bought that thing I wanted for myself the other day. Not waiting changes the meaning of gifts. And for us, when it comes to faith, if we bring that paradigm into faith, this creates a problem because God is in the habit of giving out gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 says that when he ascended on high, that he gave gifts to his people. So in order to step into God's way, we need to have our expectations, how we view the world, reset in order to receive his gifts. I think this is one of the roles of Advent. You see, the virtue of patience resets us. It detoxes us from the instant gratification, from the timetable of the world to the eternal perspective of God. Jesus says in John 15 verse 4 to his disciples, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus teaches not just that we should be attached to the vine, that we should have the vine always there if we want to instantly connect ourselves to the vine, perhaps when something goes wrong. Actually, Jesus says we need to remain To the word remain, which he repeats in that verse, is really key. Remain means that you have to remain there. You have to keep going at this. There's a sense of being patience. Now, when we long, when we have to have patience, especially for things which have not arrived in this world or may not even arrive on this side of eternity, what this does is it brings heaven close. There are certain things that we hunger for in this life. The world promises you that you can have it all. But when we realize we can't have it all, when we realize that there are things that we're not going to get in this life, it actually brings heaven back into closer perspective. So what patience does is it expands us. It grows heaven in us while God is growing new life in us. Patience is a virtue that flows from hope. And hope is thrilling because it reminds us of God's goodness. 
Now, the second thing I think Advent, this season, this season pregnant with possibility, teaches us is about the importance of perseverance. Now, patience is actually different to perseverance. Some of you may be hearing this going, patience, perseverance. I don't know the difference. Patience can often mean waiting. You think of someone who is patiently waiting for a bus. They're just sitting there. They're just waiting. There's not a whole lot they can do. They sit there fairly passively. Now, that's an important thing as we just learned. But perseverance, you wouldn't say someone is persevering while they're waiting for the bus. That's because perseverance is a kind of patience, but a patience that is under great difficulty. And there's a kind of activeness that is there with perseverance, that there isn't there with patience. Now, going back to the verse we read from Romans, it says all around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing within. Now hear these verses. We are also feeling the birth pains. Those sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. Feeling the birth pains, yearning, our bodies yearning for something. There's almost a physicality to perseverance that's not there in patience. There's this sense that there's something deep, something physical, something that is so tangible that comes with perseverance. Now, the first time uh, uh, we went to the maternity ward to have a baby was with our daughter, Grace, and Trudy had gone past her due date. So we uh, were then booked in this appointment and Trudy was going to be induced. And basically, we got to the hospital and realized this was not going to happen straight away, that being induced takes a while. It can take a long time and things don't happen straight away. So we sat in our room and we saw next to us that there was another uh, a couple who'd come in and into the other room next to us, uh, this very petite, uh, very sort of slight uh, young woman went in and she also was very pregnant, but very slight, small, petite woman. Now we sat down and we had to wait and they said it could take hours. It took hours and hours uh, for our daughter Grace to come. So it was a long time. We're just sitting there. We're just waiting. So you sit there, you turn on the television, and it's a bit like, well, this is just waiting. So we were being patient for the process. But then, I don't know, a few hours in, I began to hear sounds coming from the room next door of the likes of which I've never heard in my life. Like, I started to hear groans and screams that were next level. Like, I'm like, do I need to call the police? Is there a murder happening? Do I actually need to call an exorcist? Is something happening in the next room? Do I need to call a police officer who's also an exorcist at what is going down? And this very slight, petite, small, young lady was screaming and groaning out in the birth pangs. There's this deep groaning, which goes beyond something that we can express. It's almost rational, but it's not, it's not rational. It's a deep yelling. It's a yearning from within to get through something. There is pain and difficulty. And at that moment, that groaning was an embodiment of persevering. In Exodus 2 verse 24, it speaks of groaning as a kind of prayer. It says of the people of God in enslavement in Egypt. It says, God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Isaac and with Jacob. It's the groaning that got through. 
In Romans 8.26, it says, The Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So there's something going on with groaning. Groaning is not normal communication. Groaning doesn't happen all of the time. Groaning is a deep, guttural thing that comes from within us when something is being birthed. But also there is a perseverance through difficulty to get to that point of birthing. And so we see these verses that groaning is a metaphor that God uses for a kind of longing, a kind of prayer that is the language of earth crying out for heaven to come close. Groaning becomes before the birth of the new. And so Advent, the metaphor of pregnancy, teaches us the language of groaning. Groaning is active and a wholehearted expectancy. Perseverance is the posture we need at this time. With the challenges coming before the church, the challenges that we experienced over the last couple of years, for the personal challenges, the corporate challenges, I believe we're actually in a moment where we need to get more used to groaning out. There are so many things in the world which make us groan. And we can turn to cynicism. We can turn to passivity. We can sit back. But to get to the birth, to get to the new thing, you have to groan and you have to go through it. And groaning actually has to come a kind of prayer in which we we speak out. The third thing is that Advent reminds us of the importance of preparation. Advent reminds us of the importance of preparation. Three P words. We've had patience, perseverance, but now preparation. It says in Luke 2, verse 4 to 7, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. Caesar Augustus, the emperor of the day, had commissioned a great census to see who was in his empire. And so to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, Joseph goes. Verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. They now at that process just before the birth. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now imagine the emotions. This is not 21st century hospitals with antiseptic and a whole team of midwives, obstetricians, nurses, doctors, everyone around ready to go. This is a time when pregnancy is quite dangerous, when birth is quite dangerous, and lots of women don't survive that process. They're having to move. This is happening at a really inopportune time. This is like a clash in the calendar, which I'm sure Joseph did not want to happen. He wanted to probably have the baby in Nazareth, but he has to go to Bethlehem because of this census. This is a really frustrating thing. So he takes his very pregnant Mary on a really tough journey in a time of of natural challenges in the environment. There's predator animals. There's predator humans in form of bandits. There's Romans who can hassle the Judean population in their oppression. And so when he gets to Bethlehem, which is not a big place, the thing they are looking for straight away is a space, a place in which Mary can give birth. 
They need a particular kind of place. And we see that there's no guest room available for them. Can you imagine the sense of anxiety that came up in them? And what this teaches us is that you have to prepare a space. Advent teaches us the importance of preparing our hearts, of creating a space in our hearts for the birth to come. New life needs new space. And Advent reminds us that we need to find space. Joseph had to actively find space for Jesus. Now, this leads us to a question. What kind of space do we need to open up for God to birth the new in our lives? This also means there might need to be some clearing out. If you see a a couple who are going to have a baby, often you'll see a, a study, a spare bedroom is converted, refurbished. The nesting impulse begins as that then becomes the baby's room. When we had twins, we had to create a lot of new space. People do renovations. People can change their car. There's this sense that when the new comes, you want to create space for us. And I believe when we look at what God is doing in this time, the new thing that he's birthing in us personally and corporately, I think that's a real challenge and question before us. As we move into 2023, after the last couple of years that we've had, this sort of pattern break, and we pick up new patterns, we also need to realize what are the spaces that we need to open up to birth in you? What are the spaces of prayer? What are the spaces of seeking his presence? What are the spaces in your life which are filled with things which are not bringing you closer to the kingdom that actually need to go? Where are the spaces that God is asking us to open up in order for him to do a new thing amongst us? The life of God, when lived win hope, becomes one in which we partner with God to fill the spaces which also remain empty. This is a time where there may be absences in your life. There may be things that you're missing. There may be things which, which you wish were filled. It could be relationally. It could be a job. It could be something that you're lacking. And the invitation of God at this time is maybe there's a knocking on the door. Joseph and Mary, Jesus waiting to be birthed into some of the empty spaces that perhaps you've lamented when isolation actually becomes solitude with God. When what seems like a, a door shut is actually an opening for God, for the new to walk into. Now, I believe these three things really speak to us. The Advent season for me has been richer this year. This sense that God is birthing something new in us. At the beginning of 2022, very much I realized that it would be a season of rebuilding as people regathered and came back into place. Some people were there straight away. Some people took time and there was that question of, you know, how do we grow the church back after this season? But I think where I find myself now at the end of 2022 is this real sense of what God has been growing in us. God is a God of newness. His scriptures tell us, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? And I believe the Advent story is asking us to make space, to prepare, to be patient, to again feel that thrill of hope that God can renew his people. God can do something new. Our church needs it. We need it. Our city needs it. Australia needs it. The world needs it at this time for God to come and do something new amongst us. And we've seen that. We've seen a culture of prayer growing. We've seen people coming back and committing to new patterns. We've seen the gospel shared with people who perhaps were not open 
to the gospel only a couple of years ago before the disruption in the world. God is birthing something new in it. Let's steward that into 2023. And let's dare to hope. Let's dare to have expectancy. Let's dare that God can do something in the next generation. Let's dare to, that God can do, let's dare to believe that God can do something in us. Let me pray. God, we thank you. In many ways, me doing this here digitally with COVID is just so emblematic of what the last couple of years have been. But I also know that there is something new that you're birthing in us. That in the last season, many of us have gone deep with you. And I pray that you draw us closer. Father, as you grow something new in us as individuals and as a church, may you grow us not just in numbers, but grow us in hunger for you. We give to you all the difficulty the last year has been. We give to you the different attacks we've felt as that assignment of the enemy to squash out the next thing of God is sometimes just a really raw battle. But Father, we want to hold on to the thrill of hope. We want to have that patience that is rooted not just in some earthly false mirage, but a hope that Jesus, you are moving history towards your ends. And we just pray that you will give us the perseverance to groan for heaven to come close to earth. And Father, help us to prepare new spaces in our hearts, in our lives. Do a new thing. Help us to fill our prayer rooms with expectant groaning prayer. Help us to fill our services with us going after the hunger of your presence. Our huddles to be filled with seeking after the heart of God. Help us, Father, to go and find people who are actually seeking you. Help us to make a difference in the world that is so broken and when so many people lack. And so, Father, we just pray that you do a new thing in us in 2023. In your name. Amen. Thank you.